This week's episode of The Obsessive Viewer is sponsored by Westworld FM, the latest podcast from the Midwest Podcast Network. Westworld FM seeks to dissect the latest episode of HBO's Westworld TV series every week. Join Alex and Nick as they take a deep dive into the latest TV show from producers Jonathan Nolan and J.J. Abrams. New episodes of the podcast are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and more the day after the TV show airs. Check out the show at westworld.fm or search for Westworld FM on your favorite podcasting service. And thank you to Westworld FM and the Midwest Podcast Network for sponsoring this week's episode. This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. And welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com, find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com, and you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer, where you can also find a link to our Facebook group to have discussions with us and answer polls and, uh, you know, have discussions with us and stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, Tiny, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Good. Uh, do you know that ticket? This is not a good segue. Do you know that tickets are on sale for Sharktober and Irvington Three? They are. Yes. I'll have to get mine. Right. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, as I said, tickets are on sale for Sharktober and Irvington Three. It's next Friday, October fourteenth, at the Irving Theater. It's a one night event screening of short horror films from local filmmakers. Um, going to be a great. Uh, night. We're, we have a lot of cool stuff lined up, a lot of fun prizes to give away, including a 10-pack voucher of 10 tickets to Heartland Film Festival, as well as tons of gift cards to Irvington businesses and some fun DVDs and stuff. Uh, you can find more information at shocktoberinirvington.com. And as a special bonus for listeners of the podcast, you can get $1 off the price of admission when you use the promo code PODCAST1 when you buy your tickets. And speaking a little bit of Hardline Film Festival earlier, uh, you can help support the podcast, uh, us at the Obsessive Viewer Podcast, by using the promo code Obsess16 when you buy your Hardline Film Festival tickets online at hardlandfilm.org. Uh, for every ticket sold with that promo code, Hardline will give us $2. Um, Super fun uh, festival, really cool. You get to interact with filmmakers there. It's really amazing. Plus, if you buy online, you'll also save $3 on tickets. And uh, if you heard my uh, Indie Film Fest uh, episode that I did um, a few a couple months ago, uh, I, I spoke very highly of a documentary called The Invisible Patients, which we'll be also screening at Heartland Film Festival. So check that out at heartland, heartlandfilm.org. And when you buy your tickets, uh, type in Obsess16 to help support us. Whew. So Tiny, how's it going? Oh, it's good. It's good. I can't complain. Nice. That's good. I can't complain either. <laughs> That's a... I don't know. Um <laughs> So, uh, so today on the podcast, we're going to do another Netflix picks episode. Uh, but first we have some news to go over, correct? Absolutely. All right. Well, first up, there's some kind of awesome news that we just heard. Yeah. Uh, uh, first of all, we were interviewed by Tony Troxell of Indiana Geeking Podcast. Uh, that episode should be up this week um, over at geekinginindiana.com. And uh, also, uh, real brief, but we found out when we were being interviewed by, by Tony that we were nominated for a couple of uh, Smith Awards from the Independent Show here in Indianapolis. Um, it's the Indie Podnet Awards 2016. They're called the, the Smith Awards, named after Kevin Smith. Uh, we were nominated for two categories. Uh, there's Best Audio and uh, Best in Releasing Content which is super awesome and super uh, flattering and where I'm at a loss for words. It's really nice to um, be included in, in the nominations and we're in some good company too. Like friend of the show, Kate's take is on there. Uh, also the showdown podcast who's they're doing. Um, they've been playing our promos on their show for Shocktober Irvington. nerds domain was nominated for best intro. That's awesome. Nice. Uh, some really good, really good podcasting, uh, podcasters on this list so that's awesome and you can find more information about that at independentshow.com that's indy i-n-d-y pendant show.com 
Okay, and uh, to kind of round out news, how do you feel about that, by the way, Tiny? I mean, super excited and really flattered. I mean, that's it's really cool. There's a lot of great local podcasts, and to be nominated for not one category but two, that's really huge. Uh, really flattered and uh, excited about that. Me too. Me too. And we didn't even nominate ourselves, and that's the right. most exciting part about it. Yep. <laughs> for me, I'm I'm just super super happy about that. Yeah. Um, and then to kind of round out news for this week, um, that's going to tie into my potpourri later in this episode, but, um, it was announced FXX announced tiny. Did you hear about this? That, uh, Thanksgiving weekend or starting Thanksgiving weekend, they're going to have, um, another every Simpsons ever marathon. Oh, cool. Yeah. And that's super exciting. Um, it's going to be a, uh, 13 day marathon. Um, it's going to kick off Thanksgiving day at 12, uh, 12 noon Eastern standard time and last until midnight on December 6th. Um, and it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's so, I love that they're doing this. I I love that they're doing this again. It's, it's so cool. That is really awesome. I wouldn't expect, you don't really get that a lot. You don't get, uh, TV stations doing that. That's crazy. I mean, they're, it's almost like, like how are they going to advertise that or like <laughs> wonder I wonder what their advertisers think about that you know it's just like how do you pitch that to, Oh I think it's going to I think it's going to be very successful Oh yeah I'm the, sure I'm sure yeah. it will but it's just you know pitching that idea to someone right. who's your advertiser like yeah we're going to show the Simpsons for 13 days right. that's just kind of funny you know It's it's very cool very cool I I dig it Yeah um and we'll talk more about that when I get to my potpourri later in this episode but tiny Yeah once again what are we doing this week uh, we have Netflix picks, which yes. we picked in our last episode. Right. So if you listen to OV-187, uh, at the end of it, we picked movies. We picked titles in our Netflix queues at random, uh, number 188 in our Netflix queues to commemorate OV-188 uh, to watch for this week and review for you guys. So if you guys remember, I picked out Dear Zachary and Tiny picked out uh, Lars von Trier's Antichrist. Yes. Nice. So... Uh, we're going to go ahead and review those as normal or as usual. We are not going to spoil them. Um, and if, if we end up do spoiling them, we will notify you accordingly. So let's see. Alpha, do you want to go alphabetical, Tiny? Sure. That means okay. I get to go first. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so Antichrist, uh, how was it? Yeah, that was uh, number 188 on my queue. Um, and it, I've been excited about it because it's Lars von Trier. And he is a... Super unique, dynamic, one of a kind filmmaker. Uh, he's, if you're unfamiliar, he's a Danish, uh, filmmaker, arguably the most famous Danish filmmaker ever. Uh, he's, he's kind of quasi famous for, uh, his movies like, uh, Melancholia and, uh, he made a two part, uh, or, uh, two volumes of a movie called Nymphomaniac. Right. Um, he's, he's a very edgy, filmmaker who is uh willing to tackle any subject no matter how taboo it is uh i mean he made two movies called nymphomaniac so and he made another one called antichrist (laughs) so he's 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 incredibly bold and i respect him for that um this movie came out in 2000 uh 2009 and it's been on my radar for a while but i just haven't gotten around to it um I, I really wanted to like it, but unfortunately I didn't. <laughs> um, this, this movie was not Lars von Trier's best work. I think he has the ability to be very edgy and uh, very surrealistic the way he tells his stories and the way he mm-hmm. chooses his angles and his uh, the way he spaces things. Um, he's very edgy and, and, and different that way while still managing to tell, to tell a very... Uh, lucid story and, and a continuous linear story, if you will. Um, so he's able to balance those two things. I, I think you can kind of get away from the story if you're too edgy and weird, and he balances those things well for the most part. Um, but this movie, I did not find that balance. I, I didn't. I did not find the story that he told to be very cogent and uh, and palatable, if you will. Um, I thought it was just it was just too odd and he had it was hyper focused because you literally have two characters there are only two speaking parts in the entire movie. Wow. Um played by Willem Dafoe and uh Charlotte Gainsbourg who is a regular for Lars von Trier's films. 
Um, so it's hyper-focused on two people the whole time, and you only have two people that have to read lines. So you'd think that you could really boil everything down and get it very concise and you know digestible and followable. But I think he really missed the mark on that. Um, the movie is really visceral. It has a lot of up-close and personal moments. Um, there is some X-rated nudity in the movie. There's quite a bit of sex scenes. And so you you tend to not be able to look away from the screen for that reason. Um, but it's it's unfortunate how unfocused the story was. I, I was I was just really disappointed about it. Um, the movie is about a couple who lose a child, mm-hmm. and uh, the husband of the couple happens to be a therapist, and he attempts to get through the grieving process with his wife by trying to, um, they kind of retreat to this like cabin in the woods and he tries to, you know, psychoanalyze the situation or basically give her therapy as her Mm -hmm. husband. Um, and so that's, that's the premise for the story. It's obviously very, very dark. Um, but I, I've never been one to shy away from dark films. So that's not what put me off of this movie. Um, I know behind the scenes, uh, Lars von Trier was actually released from a mental hospital either days or weeks before this movie started filming. Really? Yeah, he wrote. He was in there for depression. It's not like he was crazy. He was in there sure. for uh, depression. Um, and you know, he's he's like I said, he's a very eccentric guy, and I'm sure he's been through a lot of things that caused his depression. And I'm not trying to hold that against him. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying there was a big timing issue. Um, I think he's, he's an incredibly involved director. He likes to literally hold the camera a lot, mm-hmm. um, and be a very immersive director in that respect. And part of the trivia for this and stuff that I've read about this movie is he had to step back from those specific roles throughout different times throughout filming this movie because of his, his, uh, mental health issues that he was going through. So I, I, again, I'm not trying to hold that against him or anything, but I think that really shows in this movie. I, it really, I really felt a bit of a disconnect between the story he was trying to tell and what we actually got on the screen. Okay. Um, I, I have a crap ton of respect for Willem Dafoe and Charlotte's Charlotte Gainsbourg. Um, because this is just such a, you just, you can't hide from anything. You can't rely on your partner to carry a scene in this movie. They both had to be at the top of their game for this. Mm-hmm. And I think they both did a really good job. Charlotte Gainsbourg is just, I think I've used the word fearless a couple times this year to describe other performances, but this is the most fearless one I've ever seen. I mean, she does all kinds of sex scenes and, and nudity, and she she's very exposed physically throughout this movie. And I I really respect actors who can who can do that and do that well and still perform given those factors. Um, and she knocked it out of the park. Um, Willem Dafoe also kept up with her pretty well. Um, I think she was a standout, but he did a pretty good job keeping up with her. I appreciated both performances quite a bit. Um, but again, it's just the story. I really didn't have a very good idea for where this was going. Mm-hmm. I felt lost at times, but the, but again, oh, the, yeah, the, like the visceral nature of it kept me involved because it's visually, it's a very stunning movie. Um, he's Lars von Trier is a, a master craftsman. I, I really, I'm really blown away by the way he uses space in his movies because mm-hmm. there will be like seemingly innocuous things placed throughout his sets and he'll kind of hyper focus in on him. And it's like, you don't even know why you're looking at this thing, but you are, and it feels important. And it's like, it's hard to explain what he's doing. I honestly don't know if there's a term for what he's doing <laughs> in those moments, but it really sticks with me and I, I appreciate it as a filmmaking tactic and a storytelling tactic. It's worked in his other movies. I think it worked a little bit here, but all around again, I think this movie was lacking. Um, the movie's a little bit too long, I think. And it's unfortunately, I just didn't really know what was going on a lot of the time. That's, and that's a downside that I've, I have not experienced in his other, his other films. So unfortunately he just couldn't put together a cogent story that I could follow that well. Um, despite the fact that it's really visually appealing, um, I'd probably give it about a, about a five out of 10. Um, I was relatively disappointed with it. Um, he's done a couple movies since that I think are a bit redemptive. 
Um, and he's, I think he's still got a lot of work in him. I didn't realize how old Lars von Trier was. He's 60 years old. Right. I thought he was a little bit younger than that, but, um, I, I, I'm sure he's got plenty of good work still in him. Um, I just don't think this one quite worked. Okay. You know, I just thought of a question to ask you that, well, like we've done the Netflix picks episodes a couple times now, and I don't think we've ever really did this, but um, what made you add it to your Netflix queue and what made you interested in seeing it? I guess we probably should have said that earlier, but I oh, thought cool. about that about halfway through. Yeah, that's a great, great question. I added it because it's, it's, it's Lars von Trier and he's, he's very, like I said, very famous, uh, at least within the film community. He's, He's just a, a one of a kind filmmaker, mm-hmm. and, and I'm a fan of his work. Um, the title, heck, I mean, you know, I'm, I don't, uh, I don't typically give a lot of credit when it comes to titles. I think a lot of titles kind of suck, but he had the balls to call his movie Antichrist, right? Um, and that that alone is controversial and gets me interested. Um, mm-hmm. He got a lot of flack for that. There's, uh, I think, there's a lot of theaters and even like countries around the world that would not show the movie wow. um, just because of the title and because of the subject matter and uh, the nudity. And it's, I think it's an NC 17 movie. It might be, oh, it's not rated. It's officially not rated. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's that, that's why it caught my radar is because he's an incredibly controversial filmmaker and this was a controversial movie. Okay. Um, so that's why I wanted to watch it. So had you heard that stuff before going into it before? Like, was it one of those things where you saw like, Oh, there's a Lars von Trier movie. Might as well just add it. Or did you hear about it going in and seek it out? I actually had it. I had heard almost nothing about it. Okay. I just knew it was a Lars von Trier movie and I was like, I'm going to watch it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay, cool. So, um, would you recommend that I watch it? <laughs> Honestly, no. And mm-hmm. I feel bad saying that because I'm such a big fan of his and he's, someone else might watch it and have a completely different reaction. Um, mm-hmm. It has three stars out of five on Netflix, which is actually a little low for sure. Netflix. The ten, movies tend to be rated a little high, I think, on Netflix. I actually think that the, and we may have discussed this before, but I think that the algorithm for Netflix, the, the ratings and stuff, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know if this is, I don't know for sure how this works or whatever, but I think that those ratings are geared toward your viewing habits. Oh, really? So like, it's like, oh, you'll probably like this if it's three stars, or you'll love this if it's five stars. Oh, I didn't like, realize that. Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, I retract that then. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, someone else might watch it and have a completely different reaction. I need to, I need to bounce around IMDb and some other message boards and see what people think <laughs> of it. Because, uh, I mean, on IMDb it has a six point six. Which isn't terrible. Right. So, yeah, I, I just, I really didn't connect to it. And, okay. Uh, it, but again, beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. Beautifully shot. Okay. Yeah. Um, if I could be slightly narcissistic, um, knowing my viewing habits and what I like and what I don't like, Tiny, would you think that I would like this? Or? No, I don't no? think you would. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Uh, all right. So should we go ahead and this is going to be a brief main topic. <laughs> yeah. But that's fine. Um. So should I go ahead and go on to mine? Yes. Okay, so number 188 on my Netflix queue was Dear Zachary. Um, this is a documentary from 2008 that I I added it because I'd heard a lot about it. I think, Tiny, you may have brought it up on a potpourri I did. at some point. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember hearing about it on other podcasts and, and friends had watched it and said that I really needed to watch it. So I added it, never got around to it. And I purposely distanced myself, distanced myself from like knowing what the subject matter was, because from what I could piece together, there was, there were things about this documentary that it would be beneficial to me to go in completely blind. Okay. So I purposely didn't read the plot description on Netflix, which if you do, that gives away a lot. Um, and, and I feel weird framing it this way because it's a documentary. It's about real people and some really, really, some real things that happen to them. And to, to kind of like, put it into a, into a context where it's like, Oh, don't, don't watch it. Be, don't read about it. Cause you don't want to get spoiled. That's that. I don't mean to diminish what they went through or what the, what the characters or characters, Jesus, uh, <laughs> what the subjects went through or anything like that. I'm just saying that to get the full effect of the emotional impact of the story, it's best to not know as much about it as Netflix would have you know about it. It's best to just go in just 
purely on on uh, on the title and and going from there. And having done that, oh my god, this documentary. <laughs> yeah, it's like. Tiny, we we've talked about your obsession with documentaries. We mm-hmm. uh, just talked about it briefly with uh, with Tony uh, Troxel on his on his podcast. Um, and in the way that you've described it, both on that podcast on uh, on Indiana Geeking and here on the Obsessive Viewer, is that you frame it or you you describe you describe your penchant for podcasts as or not podcasts. <laughs> You describe your penchant for documentaries as documentaries as um as just as as learning tools. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't learn if you don't learn as well if you read from a book or you don't learn as much if you read from a book that you could from a documentary. A medium for learning. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. Mm-hmm. Which which is a great way to approach documentaries and and that's that's really I like that. I like that idea. Um, in partway through this documentary, I kind of realized that there are multiple types of documentaries. Oh yeah. Yeah. There are the documentaries that you learn from the textbooks, the, the tools, the learning aids, um, that you use it as a learning medium. And then there are documentaries that just make you feel. Oh yeah. And this was a documentary that ripped me apart. Yep. And like, I I'm going to dance around what the subject is, but essentially this documentary is about one man who is chronicling um he is he's documenting the life of a childhood friend of his and the circumstances that lead to him creating this documentary and the events that unfold after those circumstances take place are so emotionally raw and gripping and and infuriating and so I'm at a loss for words because if I, if I expound on it more, I'm going to start crying. Yeah. Like I was, I was holding back tears throughout most of this documentary and there was a moment, not even a specific moment. Well, no, there was a specific moment (laughs) uh, toward the end where I, I just lost it. I was just, Tears were streaming down my face. I was sobbing. And that's an, that's a reaction that I don't get. I, I never get that way from movies or TV shows, or I rarely do. And to have that kind of emotional, emotional response to this documentary, I feel speaks volumes to my personal viewing experience and how I view movies and TV. And to have that response, it's, it was so, so fascinating to me because I just, I lost control of my emotions. And, um, in this, this documentary, it's, it's so, it's so masterfully put together. Um, cause they, like the, the filmmaker, he, uh, incorporates tons and tons and tons of, um, footage from his childhood, from his friend's childhood, the subject of the film's childhood. And, uh, there are some there are some things that um there's some things that that link two subjects together in a way that's just fading from one from one from a photograph to another photograph that links them together in such a profound way that when you get the full story throughout throughout the rest of it it's like it r- will rip you apart and it will just destroy your night <laughs> um <laughs> And it's just, it's, it's so, it's so powerful. I, I just, it's, it's incredible. Um, and there are so many, there's so many types of documentaries that this can fall under and I won't give away what genre of, of documentary it is, but it's something that's noble in, in a sense. It starts out as this noble endeavor from this filmmaker that he is, basically creating this this document or this or this art um um honoring his friend and showing showing the world and showing showing people who his friend was and learning about his friend in the process that it's just he, you really get such a profound sense of who this person was and and what this person meant to so many people and none of it 
none of it seems put on for a documentary setting. None of it seems, none of it seems choreographed in a certain way. None of it seems edited together to make it, to shine a certain light on, on a subject. It's just pure, unfiltered adoration for this person. And it just feels so genuine. And there are moments when certain people are on, are on screen and you, it's, the emotion and the emotional weight of those sequences um there it's at times in the documentary when when they're going through certain horrible trials that you just see outbursts just raw unrestrained emotional outbursts of anger and and uh just disdain toward an, toward another person that is so raw and so genuine and you feel so much for this uh for this family and for these people that are being documented for this for this movie and it is just it's some of the most intense filmmaking i've ever seen and it's just people sitting in front of a camera just speaking their speaking their emotions and, and talking in such a candid way about something that is so terrible and so important to them and such, such a significant part of their lives. And in to say that there are twists in the story is to diminish the, is to, in, in a sense, diminish the, the, what, what this family went through. But there are things in this, in this documentary that will, just blindside you completely. And it got to a point where, um, I was, I was laying on my couch watching this documentary and it took everything in me not to pound my hand on the floor and just scream just in, in, in just a reaction. Like, like not, I'm not going to get into, personal details or anything but there's like one like one time like two times in my life that i have had such an outburst of emotion that i just expel a guttural reaction or a guttural sound that's that's completely um that makes no sense and i felt such an emotional connection to the story in this documentary that it almost escaped me in that moment and it was something that it just feels like this it feels like what happens in this documentary gets into your, into your body and into, into your, your soul. And just when it takes certain, um, certain turns, it just, you just, it, it rips you apart in, in a way that, I, that this medium hasn't done to me in a long, long time. And it's something that, I mean, there are things in this documentary that are going to stick with me for a long time. And it's something that I'm really glad that I, I, uh, watched and, uh, uh, and it's just, it's something that I just, I, it's going to stick with me for a long time. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tiny, you've seen Dear Zachary, right? I have. And hearing you say all these things, I feel bad because I don't remember it very well. <laughs> um, I, I remember liking it mm-hmm. and I'm sure I'm not, I'm not trying to disqualify your reaction at all, but mm-hmm. I, I know I didn't react the way you did because I would remember it. Right. Um, everything you're saying makes me want to watch it again mm-hmm. really, really soon. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. I, I wish I could remember more about it. Yeah. It's, oh, I can't, I, I can't speak more about it without going into what happened throughout the documentary, but mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it's just an incredibly, an, an incredibly, emotional journey if if uh, if it if it takes you uh while watching it it's something that's just really a wholly unique documentary experience that i haven't i haven't experienced in in a while um and and again that's i'm not i don't watch as many documentaries as you so mm-hmm. maybe that could be a factor but it just this was a tough watch for me it was it really um it was crazy. This was a, <laughs> this was a forget that you have laundry in the dryer movie yeah. for me, documentary for me, because I literally forgot that I had laundry in the dryer. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, oh, I, I highly, highly recommend this documentary. It's, uh, Dear Zachary, it's on Netflix. It was my number 188, but not anymore because I watched it. <laughs> Yay. And it ruined my night. <laughs> <laughs> in a good way, though. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm glad that I picked it. Yeah. Um 
Whew. Okay, so that was kind of a brief um, main topic f- for this week. Usually we run about an hour, but uh, this week we just recorded a uh, a guest spot on on Tony's podcast, uh, Indiana Geeking podcast at uh, geekinginindiana.com. And uh, so, so we're going to be kind of brief. Plus, we had a two-hour episode last week, so we don't want to spoil you guys too much. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so having said that, that's our Netflix picks for this week. Um, uh, let us know what your 188th Netflix Q um, <laughs> title is. Or if you've watched Antichrist or Dear Zachary, let us know in the Facebook group, which you can find a link to at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer. And, uh, before we go on to our potpourri section, uh, we're gonna throw it to, uh, our promo for Shocktober in Irvington. Again, that is October 14th at the Irving Theater. Uh, more information as well as a link to buy tickets can be found at shocktoberinirvington.com. It's gonna be a great night and, uh, we can't wait to see everyone there. So we're gonna throw it to JP Leck with the promo for Shocktober in Irvington. Tickets are on sale now for the third annual Shocktober in Irvington presented by the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Join the hosts of the Obsessive Viewer on October 14th, 2016 at the Irving Theater for a one-night event screening of short horror films, including the premiere screenings of J.P. Lex The Roman the latest entry in his cross-medium Elsewhere World universe, as well as the latest slasher from Snapshot Productions and Billy and Brandon Watch Movies. All of this, and so much more. Come celebrate the horror genre in the historic Irvington area, and get a chance to meet the filmmakers with live interviews after each screening. You can also win DVDs, Blu-rays, and gift cards to Irvington businesses. Tickets are on sale now at shocktoberinirvington.com. All proceeds will go directly to the Irvington Historical Society. And we will see you at the Irving Theater on October 14th. That is, if you dare. Okay, once again, check that out at shocktoberinirvington.com. And uh, so we're going to go ahead and go into our potpourri section, which is, uh, for first-time listeners, potpourri is the section of the podcast where we talk about whatever we want, as long as it smells good, anything that we're watching, anything that we're looking forward to, um, just anything we want. <laughs> and uh, Tiny, I have two things. You have one thing? Yes. All right. So I will go ahead and get us kicked off with our potpourri for this week. Um, so, uh, so, okay. So I referenced earlier our uh indie film fest episode um i actually recorded it solo um back in july i believe and indie film fest is a local uh film festival here in indianapolis that's got got some really great people involved with it and uh really great uh films uh for the for the multiple years that i've gone to it and so one of the things at Indie Film Fest is that one of the, one of the directors, like um, one of the directors in, in charge of Indie Film Fest, is this guy Craig, who also runs the IMAX Theater and the Indiana State Museum, which is the largest largest screen in the state. It's the only um, legitimate IMAX theater in 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 the state in the area, and I was fortunate enough to be invited to a special. Uh, advanced screening of Voyage of Time, uh, the IMAX experience, which is uh, Terrence Malick's uh, documentary about uh, essentially the beginning of the universe. And it's, I'll read the plot, plot description <laughs> from IMDb. Uh, this documentary examines the origins of the universe, including the beginning of life on Earth. And this documentary, or this, this IMAX documentary short, is about 40 minutes long. It's really intense and really interesting the way that the imagery is just conveyed. It's something that Terrence Malick worked on for multiple decades um, wow. working toward. Yeah. And um, to see it in IMAX, holy crap. It was just jaw dropping. Just um, the, the IMAX theater in downtown Indianapolis, they have a, um, I believe it was back in like January or, or it was earlier this year. They upgraded their uh, screen. They, they brought in a whole new, like a screen. They, they, uh, uh, 
I put in a new digital projector as well, um, as well as the their thirty five and seventy five millimeter um, prints uh, projectors, and it's just. I I believe this was my first time going since they since they changed it over because I think the last time I went was when uh, they had the um, screening of two thousand one back in January. Okay, so this was just amazing to look at. Like it begins with literally the it's it's not like your your conventional like Big Bang where it's like oh just blackness and then boom everything is there. It's like this such an interesting visual style of like just gas and and light coming to life essentially before your eyes and it's so it's so magnificent the way that it's put together and it's the the way that the the story of the universe just unfolds before us and it's narrated by Brad Pitt by the way um okay and it's the way that it's all un, that it all unfolds it's just so it's so um or <laughs> organic um <laughs> it's just it flows so incredibly well it's not like it's not like just seeing like oh chapter one the big bang chapter two earth it's just this this majestic um visual representation of like the universe's existence and it's just it's really incredible to watch and uh really really fascinating uh as well and it's not like a documentary it's not like a it's not like an IMAX thing where it's like Brad Pitt saying like 65 million years ago, the dinosaurs were here and then the dinosaurs were gone. It's right. like, it's like he's saying this like very, very flowy poetry type of words, <laughs> which was very poetic way of saying it. Also, <laughs> um, But this very like beautiful, beautiful words um, uh, throughout it. That's just, it's just accompanied, it accompanied the visuals so well and it, it just it was such a nice soothing experience and seeing it on that screen was just magnificent um yeah and and it starts i believe it's this week at the uh, IMAX downtown it's going to be the only theater in our area here in Indianapolis that's going to have it and i think that usually they only usually they have um i think usually they have their their films screening there for three months i think is the standard time mm-hmm. but this is only going to be there for uh, six weeks wow so um i highly recommend checking it out at the uh indianapolis imax at the state museum because it's it's a really really uh, incredible um imax documentary and it's just it's beautiful like the it begins with this opening crawl of of words that's kind of like this this short letter to us as the audience saying that the purpose of the documentary is to show that you, you are as connected to the rocks and on the earth or a leaf as, as anything else as to anything else or something like that. A lot better, beautifully written words than what I can stumble out, (laughs) but it's just, it, it gets the point across really well. And it's, it's really, it's really pretty magnificent. It's a voyage of time, the IMAX experience. And, uh, I highly recommend checking it out when you, while you can at the Indianapolis IMAX um, here in Indianapolis and it's IMAX. (laughs) So yeah, so that is my first potpourri. Uh, Tiny, what do you have for us this week? Uh, I actually mentioned this movie a few weeks ago, a couple episodes ago, um, Southpaw. I don't recall what we were talking about, but we, this came up. I think it was, we were talking about Jake Gyllenhaal and how he's basically just on a roll lately. Mm -hmm. Um, I hadn't seen Southpaw and I had heard mixed things. And so I was curious to see where this would fit in Jake Gyllenhaal's career. That's mainly what I was curious about with this movie. Um, for those who don't know, Southpaw is about a boxer. Um, his name's Billy Hope. And he, uh, through a series of unfortunate events, uh, his wife passes away. And in his grief, he loses his daughter to child protective services and wow. has to like kind of fight to get her back both literally and figuratively <laughs> um, cuz he's a fighter and stuff you get it you get it no, yeah we got it yeah yeah um so this movie was directed by Antoine Fuqua uh written by Kurt Sutter oh and, yeah uh, yeah starring Jake Gyllenhaal and uh Rachel McAdams Forrest Whitaker 
uh, 50 Cent. Um, Naomi Harris is also in it. Uh, pretty solid cast. Um, again, the thing I was most interested in was Jake Gyllenhaal's performance. I, I'm a fan of Antoine, Antoine Fuqua. He's made some really good movies and some not great ones. Um, but I, I think he's a talented director and I'm usually pretty, pretty interested in what he has to, what he makes, what he has to say. Um, but again, Jake Gyllenhaal was the main pull for me. And, uh, I, I'm glad to say that at least in my opinion, this, this performance does not tarnish his record as of late in the slightest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was, he was the highlight of the movie without question. He had some really great scenes with, he had, he had really great chemistry with everybody on the screen. Nice. I was, I was really impressed. Um, Rachel McAdams was also really great. She, she had a, um, had a really, really convincing relationship with, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, the actress who plays their daughter, her name's Una Lawrence. Uh, she was really good. I, I rag on children actors, kid actors a lot in this podcast, but she mm-hmm. was, she was an exception. She was really good. Um, and just to see a, I would almost say Lawrence, or I would almost say that Forrest Whitaker's almost a legend, kind of a, He's just like a, he's such a seasoned actor. He's done so many different roles. He's been in comedy movies, action movies, drama. Mm-hmm. He's a really seasoned actor. And to see him and Jake Gyllenhaal share the screen with some really meaty stuff, uh, was incredibly satisfying. And those are some of my favorite scenes in the movie. Um, but Jake Gyllenhaal was a standout throughout the movie. He, he just tackled this character physically and emotionally. I just, I really bought bought what he did in every scene. And, you know, he's a, Jake Gyllenhaal is a very good looking guy. He's known for his looks, you know, um, he is like sweaty and bloody throughout 80% of this movie. <laughs> Seriously. And it's not just from fights. Like he gets in accidents and stuff and his face is just always beat to crap in this movie. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And so I think just that right there is like a really bold choice as a guy known for his looks, he's famous for being attractive. He's also famous for being a great actor, but you know, right. it's a big risk to make yourself look like crap for a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he took that risk with this movie and he just pulled it off incredibly well. Um, I think, I also think Jake Gyllenhaal is a really intelligent guy and, and the character he plays is kind of like this indecisive, not exactly an intellectual kind of guy. And it's, I, I bought it completely. He's he's this very blue collar, you know, lower lower class kind of guy, and that's not really who I picture in Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm-hmm. Um, but he nailed that character. I mean, I just I just completely bought it that he was some guy from some inner city neighborhood who got in fights in high school, and he's covered in tattoos, and he makes his living as a fighter. Like he just he sold that really well, and I, I'm so glad to report back that Jake Gyllenhaal is continuing with his uh his uh knack for good acting lately. He's he's his record's still good in my eyes anyways. Nice. The movie after having said that the movie was pretty decent. It was it was good. I I I was very interested in the characters and I wanted to see where it went. Um however some of the there there were there were some flaws in the structure as opposed to being a fluid story it felt at times, it felt like more of a collection of scenes. Uh, the scenes by themselves were pretty pretty well done, but they didn't always seem to complement one another, and they didn't always seem to transition well between really? each other. It, it it wasn't as it wasn't as fluid as you would expect, um, and it's not an, an overly complex story that requires a lot of you know, qualifying scenes and dialogue. It's a pretty straightforward thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know where those issues came from. If it was the writing from Kurt Sutter, if, or if it was Antoine Fuqua's directing, I'm, I'm not sure what the issue was, but there were some just not good transitions and things didn't always fit together the right way. And I really felt that it, it didn't take me out of the story, but it, it was, it was just kind of missing like some editing or something like that. And it, it just kind of, took away from the rest of the quality of the movie. Um, interesting fact, James Horner scored this movie and he did mm-hmm. it for free. Did he really? 
did it for free. Uh, at the time mm-hmm. they made the movie, Antoine Fuqua didn't have the money to pay him. He was like, that's all right. And he just did it and never got paid. Wow. Yeah. And he's fine with that. Uh, <laughs> the movie is, uh, dedicated to him as a result. Um, and the, the, I really enjoyed the music. It fused a lot of, like, there's a, uh, Eminem song in there that kind of, fits really well into the into the story and i think originally he was supposed to be the main character uh and then was supposed to play billy hope the main character um i'm glad they got jake gyllenhaal um but so there's some modern hip-hop music and stuff like that in there but uh you know i think the the swells of music during the fights themselves were were pretty good um but speaking of the fights and like the action in this it was fine you know it was perfectly fine but when i think about you know like when you think of boxing movies, you think of Rocky and you think of uh, Raging Bull and stuff like that. And most recently, part of the Rocky franchise, um, Creed. Yeah. We we rallied and praised the, mm-hmm. the filming action sequences, the fights in, the, in that movie. And they were phenomenal. Like, I stand by that whole 100%. Those were, if you want to see what a good, how to film a boxing scene, go watch the movie Creed. Yeah. It's really just like, perfect this movie really didn't have that kind of flair to it okay um it was adequate i feel like we got a sense of the action and it was it was somewhat immersive um but there's there's nothing there's nothing about the fighting scenes and the boxing matches in this movie that set it apart from anything else it was very uh it was just it was just very standard and i think antoine fuqua was the kind of director who can really he can do his own thing. I think he can really make action sequences unique and he's not, he's not just your run of the mill director. I think he's better than that. Um, and so I was, I was pretty disappointed with the fact that I was not impressed with that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the drawbacks as well. Um, I, I, th- I think Kurt Sutter is a fairly decent writer. Um, I know most people know him from sons of anarchy and I liked that show de- well enough, uh, but you know, there's there were a lot of writing issues on that show, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think you know this isn't his best work. I don't, I don't know that the issues with the film are necessarily a result of his writing. Um, so he, I think he did a, a decent job with this movie, and I think it was a good idea for for a story. Um, one of my other issues is that the main character Billy Hope. Um, he, the movie starts out with, he has this huge fight and, you know, boxers mm-hmm. make tons of money. They fight once a year and make $10 million. If you're a top of the line boxer, like this guy is, you know, you make 10, 15, $20 million in box once a year. So that's how the movie starts out. And then not a spoiler. It's part of the plot. The guy's wife passes away. And he just, out of nowhere, just runs into all these financial issues. And it's like, he's basically broke. And I just don't understand how the guy makes at least 10 million bucks. And then a couple months later, he's just absolutely broke. Like, I just don't, mm. I, I didn't understand that part of the movie. Why, why he lost all his money. I can understand how, you know, he's, his grief that his wife passed away and that his, I can understand why his child would be taken away from him in the story. That all made sense. I just don't understand why he had to go through all of the financial woes that he goes through in the movie. It didn't make any sense to me. And maybe I missed something, but, um, that, that kind of bothered me in the movie, the, the, the reasons for that. So all in all, I mean, I'd probably give it like a six and a half, maybe a solid six and a half out of 10. I mean, I enjoyed a lot of, a lot of it. And I think the performances were really good. Um, but it just had some structural issues and some, some, a little bit formulaic issues and stuff like that. Um, it's, sure. it's a pretty solid movie though. Nice. Um, quick note. Um, uh, I believe it was dedicated to James Horner because James Horner died. Oh crap. Yeah. <laughs> I did not realize that. Yeah. Uh, it may have been, I, it could have been because of that also because he, he passed away in a plane crash June, 2015. And, uh, uh, the movie came out July 2015. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that's why. Yeah. I don't think they mentioned that he was dead in the dedication. Oh, really? Maybe I missed it. They didn't have like a, like a, uh, the epigraph, uh, the, the date. <laughs> no. 
Okay. They yeah. did not. Interesting. No. Yeah. So that's my um, defense for not knowing that. Sure. I just I just wanted to just point that out so okay. we don't get a ton of angry emails. Okay. I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. Um. I guess I uh, I'll check it out. <laughs> okay. It's. I mean, it sounds interesting. I I think Creed is more my speed in terms of boxing movies. It is the um, better film by far. Yeah, and I'm not a fan of Kurt Sutter and um. Yeah, and and do you remember that we were supposed to see this movie? <laughs> I remember, yeah. Yeah, we were supposed to see it at one of the, uh, like an advanced screening, but uh we got there late cuz it was way on the other side of town mm-hmm. and uh like rush hour traffic. <laughs> yeah. So uh we that's when we ended up seeing uh 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 train wreck. Right. Yeah, that was kind of a train wreck of a night. Yep. Um but yeah, so <laughs> To kind of round out Potpourri this week is uh, to kind of bring us back to the news segment about the Simpsons, every Simpsons ever marathon part two. Um, I, so, <laughs> so I've mentioned before in the podcast that I go to sleep watching the Simpsons a lot. Um, so what I've been doing now, like after, well, the last couple of days, I'm going to take you guys on a journey. So, <laughs> um, my cable package, I just have basic local channels and internet, and I stream everything. I have Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, HBO Go. HBO is part of my part of my internet package, um, or my my Comcast package. Um, so I just get all of my media from those those streaming services. And then later this month, oh, I completely forgot to mention this. Uh, last week on the podcast, we mentioned a brief tangent about Filmstruck and how. They were supposed to launch in fall, but I hadn't heard anything. Turns out that Filmstruck is launching in October. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's going to be sometime this month. It's uh, Filmstruck is a curated um, uh, collection of cinephile movies and classic movies with commentaries and, and uh, things like that. And they're going to have the Criterion collection, so it's going to be leaving um, Hulu okay. uh, apparently sometime this month. But anyway, it was kind of cool because I went to the theater and I saw a, a commercial for it. Um, in kind of the pre pre movie advertisements, and I was like, I was just talking about this. Cool. So yeah, so that's pretty cool. But yeah. anyway, so to get back on track, um, I stream. I have a lot of streaming services. So ha- not having basic cable, I don't have FX or FXX. So I was kind of thinking, like I was remembering how when it, back in 2014, when they did the Every Simpsons Ever Marathon. I was really interested in it and I really wanted to watch it. And at the time I had, I had basic cable. So I would just turn on FX or I think it was FXX, um, um, throughout it and just watch it as it, as it played. So, um, so that was really cool. And I really liked that experience. Now I don't have that, so I can't have that. So (laughs) what I did (laughs) was I, uh, called up my mom and was like, Hey, uh, you have UVerse and you have cable. Uh, why don't you go ahead and give me your UVerse uh password and everything? <laughs> and uh, my mom, my mom didn't know what exactly I was talking about, so I had to go through a whole song and dance. I had to like I got her Gmail information. <laughs> I logged in, went to went to AT dot com. I tried to put in passwords and everything. Ended up locking it. Ended up having to have a chat with the like the the tech support chat to unlock it and everything. Nice job, Matt. I know, right? So I finally got it all set up. So now I have access to the FX Now app. Awesome. Yeah, which is an app that has um, all the FX shows and everything, and it's compatible with Chromecast, which is perfect because I can just cast it to my TV, and it's like watching live TV. Or like watching anything else, uh, any other streaming service. Mm -hmm. But one of the big reasons why I did this, went through all that trouble, even though I have all these other streaming services, is that they have a section of the FX Now app called Simpsons World. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things about the reason that, really the reason that they can do the Every Simpsons Everything is that they bought the rights or they they own the rights to um, the streaming rights to The Simpsons. So they are able to create this section of their app that's completely tailored to The Simpsons. And it is kind of fantastic. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm loading it up right now. Basically, um, not only do they have every Simpsons ever, they have every, like they, they have the episodes for the most part, I believe all of them. Um, they have 
episodes in 16 by 9 aspect ratio. And like it's it's fantastic because like you click on the menu, you can go to playlists. So they have like a special section just for the Treehouse of Horror episodes. They have clips of like like I'm just scrolling through them now, like 15 classic Ralph moments <laughs> and uh, clips of certain songs. They have a whole playlist for first appearance, fierce. Wow. First appearances like of characters and, and, and uh, gags. They have a best of Monty Monty Burns playlist. They just have a ton of different things like they have um, a playlist of episodes that are just about the Simpsons, like episodes that center around the Simpsons and church um, full like Bart episodes, Maggie episodes. It's it's really fantastic the way that they have put it all together. Um, sports episodes. So they have all this content. In, in addition to like just having just the episodes, they also have uh, <laughs> they also have audio commentary. Wow! They have audio commentary for seasons one through seven, which makes up a, a, a large portion of the glory days of The Simpsons, as well as episode seasons eighteen and nineteen. Wow! Um, and it's really fantastic. And and what I like about it too is they also have a random button, so. The Simpsons, to me, this is a show that I freaking grew up on, and I, like, like, like a lot of people, I only watch, like, the first 11 seasons and kind of call it a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I do is, and they also have a search option. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> um, so what I'm doing now, now that I have access to this, is I'm, in the lead up to, at least in the lead up to, um, uh, every Simpsons ever, what I'm doing is I'm just going to click random and just watch an episode or watch a few episodes. I went to, uh, <laughs> the other day I went to the movie theater and I was early and like a weirdo, I was sitting in my car and I just watched an episode of the Simpsons because the, it was like one of the first screenings. So it was like an hour before the theater, like actually like opened, um, so I was like, you know what? I'll just kill some time and watch when Flanders failed. That is weird. Um, yeah, it is very weird. And now <laughs> it's, now it's on the internet forever. <laughs> but, um, so far so good. So far it hasn't had any, any hiccups or any technical issues. Um, but I'm, I'm really enjoying it and I'm really looking forward to every Simpsons ever because one of the big parts of the reason why I went through all this trouble to get my mom's password and sign my mom up for Uverse Online and everything. <laughs> Is uh, because I want that experience of coming home from work, uh, flipping open the app, pressing play or play live or whatever, and just watching whatever's whatever's on FXX um, during the marathon. I want that experience. So, mm-hmm. so I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, so so yeah, Tiny, you how you feel about the the Simpsons there? I mean, yeah, I grew up on it too, uh, but I I don't have a very close relationship with it i haven't watched it much lately it really i really just watched the syndicated episodes on Mm -hmm. on different on different networks so i never followed it like in a linear fashion um but the fact that it's all available in one spot makes me want to dive into it more um but that's a huge undertaking Mm -hmm. so someday i'd like to do that i here's what i would recommend because um it's like you know the characters and the dynamics and everything yeah so i would recommend just just getting the app and just clicking random yeah go going rando nice um yeah because it's it's i mean this might be uh i mean like obviously uh just i have these weird mental exercises where i'm like okay desert island show it might be the simpsons just for pure quantity yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and it's funny because like i i clicked uh, random this morning um and uh, i just i went to an episode that was like uh, season 25 i think it was uh steal this episode and uh that's the title of the episode and it's about homer getting into pirating movies Mm -hmm. and the later seasons aren't that great like the like they're never gonna they're never gonna be marge versus the monorail or the episode about um i think it's like 22 short films about speedway or <laughs> or uh 22 short films about uh, uh springfield or, or what have you um but i mean <laughs> the animation itself is 
freaking amazing. Like it just looks so, so great and it's in HD and it's just beautiful to look at. And it's just, it's really awesome. Um, so I'm really enjoying the FX now app and Simpsons world. And I'm looking forward to checking out some of the, um, uh, audio commentaries, uh, for sure. Um, so yeah, so I recommend checking that out. Tiny, having heard me talk about that, are you going to check it out? Yeah, again, someday. I hope at some point sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna get into that. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to take I'm trying to get through Star Trek right now. That's right. And I haven't even finished the first season yet. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, um, I hope that someone else listening will do. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I am slap happy. Okay. Um. Okay, that's fair. So let's see. I think that about does it for this week's episode. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, um, guys, if you like what you just heard and you want to help support the podcast, Tiny, how can they do that? They can go to patreon.com. Is that a thing? It is. Yeah. <laughs> I probably should have prompted you for yeah. this better. Um, first, you can, if, uh, if you like what you hear and want to support the podcast, you can head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. Uh, the more ratings and re- reviews we get, the easier it will be for people to find the show in iTunes and search results. And if you want to show your support with your wallet, uh, you can either click the donate button in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com for a one-time donation or a recurring donation. Um, or you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer where you can choose from several different reward tiers. Uh, the fine folks over at Midwest, uh, over at Midwest Podcast Network, they did that and that they're now sponsoring, uh, our episodes. Uh, their Westworld FM podcast is now sponsoring us. So, uh, go check that out. If, uh, go check that out, that podcast out. <laughs> and, uh, also if you want to support us, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and any donations made will help pay the fees to keep the podcast running and uh and uh, so that we can continue to provide you with um our weekly podcast our weekly award nominated podcast content and uh such as next week what are we doing tiny Next week, we're going to do an extended potpourri. That is right. We are doing extended potpourri next week because it is the week leading up to Sharktober in Arlington, <laughs> and uh, it's crunch time. We have a lot of stuff we need to get done, so we're just going to pump out a an extended potpourri for you guys. So if you'd like, check out the Facebook group for uh, more information, and let us know what you are. I, I think what I'll do is I'll put a post out sometime this week asking, uh, asking you guys uh, what you've watched lately to incorporate your thoughts into our extended program. So, um, having said that tiny, is there anything else we need to cover or are we good to go? I think we're good to go. All right. Well, in that case, guys, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Thanks. And we'll also see you next week at the Irving theater on October 14th at 8 PM. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks guys. Thanks. A uh, quick tangent, just real brief. Um, have you seen the trailer for uh, Bleed for this, the Miles Teller boxing movie that's coming out this year? I have. Nice. What do you think of that? That looks. It looks really cool. I'm, I'm interested in Miles Teller as in that kind of role, like a leading man role. Mm-hmm. That's. I'm really looking forward to that one. Nice. Those le- those meaty leading man bits. Um, <laughs> I don't. That was supposed to be an Arrested Development reference. Anyway. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, I fumbled that considerably. But anyway. Um, so, yeah, that's cool. Um, I, I think Bleed for this looks like it could be kind of cool, too. Yeah. Um, I really like the concept. And, like, watching the trailer, like, there's... It's in the trailer. So, um, there's an incident that has him in, like, a, like a neck brace that... Mm-hmm. The way it's the way it's conveyed in the trailer just makes me just really tense and, and yeah, oh, oh. I, get, I get that. Yeah. So anyway, um, we'll maybe talk more about that later at, in the year or early next year. Thank you for listening to the Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. 
You can email the hosts individually at Matt, Tiny, or Mike at ObsessiveViewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at ObsessiveViewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at ObsessiveViewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer and follow us on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer, at Obsessive Tiny, and at I am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, ObsessiveBookNerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.